Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Ken Ramirez, uh, co-founder of Alt36. Ken, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Glad to be talking to you. So, um, yeah, definitely. You know, Pleasure. Let's just let's just jump in. What uh, what is Alt36? Tell me about it. Yeah. So let me tell. Uh, I can start with kind of the background and how Alt36 came to be, which will kind of give a little bit more of the context to kind of how we came about and kind of the problem that you know we're trying to solve essentially in the industry. So, um, you know, I'm finishing up my dissertation research right now. Um, my my research is all around um, a problem in the, the traditional payments industry regarding interchange fees and the lack of transparency and the complexity around them. And the problem merchants are having with being able to minimize the fees that they're being charged on every single one of the transactions that they run. So in kind of identifying uh, all of these different problems that, you know, the, the top merchants are facing in, in the United States, we started kind of taking a look at, you know, instead of really disrupting and kind of uh, optimizing this process of interchange fees, you know, how can we displace them? How can we get around them altogether? Um, and so that's where digital currency came into play. Um, so we, we've been sitting down in, in, in multiple discussions, you know, uh, with the Dash Network of how we could... You know, essentially drive value, create value for the network and kind of help increase the adoption of the currency overall. And so uh, since then, we've partnered with the Dash Network and we've actually been funded by the Dash Network to build out, let's call it a digital currency platform to help uh, encourage the adoption of the Dash currency. Um, so traditionally uh, in the industry, digital currency is very complex and confusing. So what we've done is we've, we're building out a a very simple platform that allows um, everyday people to be able to transact, accept and transact in digital currency without all of the complexity and confusion of having to go and sign up for multiple different services. Yeah, where do you think the uh, the complex nature of it comes in? I mean, I guess, it's, first of all, be understanding oh, what is a wallet and how does it work and can I have one on my phone? Do I, do I need to have a laptop, you know, et cetera? I mean, what, what do you see is the, the confusion? Absolutely. So the so the, the transaction itself is probably the easiest part of everything, right? The transaction itself is a commodity. Um, so what the hard part is for that we're finding out for the consumers is being able to 
identify and under like understand all the different complementary products and services they need around the transaction in order to remain compliant and to efficiently operate in digital currency. Um, so those being, you know, the compliance services, the taxation services, um, the AML KYC uh, loyalty program, and the exchange access, digital wallet access. Is a lot of different things that you, you know, a traditional merchant or, you know, you and me would have to go sign up for to be able to really efficiently, you know, operate in digital currency. Well, what we've done is we've basically taken all of those different processes that, you know, the average consumer would have to go through. Um, and then we basically built it into one registration so that when a merchant enrolls and registers with our platform, essentially they get access to every single one of those value added services in addition to the digital currency transaction. So basically minimizing the exposure to all of the stuff going on in the back scene, private keys, cryptography, blockchain, a lot of these things that traditional people are kind of afraid of because of new technologies that they really haven't don't fully understand at this point. So you're saying Dash, do um, you think it's positioned to become the, uh, the top cryptocurrency that merchants and individuals will use because so far I see, you know, BitPay uh, is for Bitcoin, and then there's uh, Monetha, which is you know looking to position itself for people to accept Ethereum, and you guys uh, want to have Dash accepted as a as the alt currency for merchants. Yeah, absolutely, and and the, and the reason that you know we see the potential in Dash to um, be the you know the the primary currency that eventually replaces traditional fiat. Um, is for number one reason is they've taken a look at the Bitcoin network and they solved all of the traditional problems associated with accepting Bitcoin. So when you take a look at BitPay, right, um, most of their merchants are operating online, um, especially <clears throat> given the fact that Bitcoin, Bitcoin transactions right now on average are taking anywhere from eight minutes to three days to confirm. Uh, so mm-hmm. for a point of sale transaction, it makes it a little uh, infeasible to be able to to accept a digital currency payment. Um, right. Also, at the same time, the fees for Bitcoin transactions are anywhere from four to eight dollars a transaction. Right. Um, yep. So passing that cost along to the merchant is or along to the consumer is not really feasible as well. Um, and then when you take a look at kind of the governance structure of Bitcoin and kind of how they've they've really developed the network and and how the project is evolving, there's a lot of different areas that Dash has kind of put the right infrastructure in place to facilitate kind of a long-term roadmap. Um, And the number one thing being is a second-tier governance structure. So given the fact that, you know, Dash is able to redistribute the blockchain uh, rewards in a manner to that it will create value within the network. I think is going to be the the real big differentiator between Dash and Bitcoin, and the fact that you know they've gotten the transaction uh, fee down to a fraction of a cent, and uh, it takes 1.2 seconds to confirm the transaction. So completely enabling point of sales transactions for B two C experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess the only issue I see is that Bitcoin is still the front runner, and it's got the name and. You know, if anyone's going to know anything about cryptocurrency that's not deeply involved in it, you know, Bitcoin's what they first know. How do you think that Dash is going to, um, you know, become the top dog there? What's it going to take, Absolutely. and you know, what kind of efforts are you guys putting into it? Yep. So when we when, when we started with the project, uh, we took a look at 
kind of the different demographics and the different industries that would benefit most from digital currency. Because when you take a look at kind of the mass adoption of a currency and really creating that utility <clears throat> within the currency, there has to be, you know, a transactional purpose behind it. Um, and so for Bitcoin right now, you know, there are merchants that are accepting Bitcoin <clears throat> as a form of transaction. But for, the most, but for the most part, Bitcoin is viewed as an asset, as an investment tool right now. Um, you know, so there really isn't that much utility in the actual currency and, and the use cases behind it. Um, whereas, you know, with, with Dash, uh, <clears throat> what we're able to do is kind of introduce it into an industry. So the number one industry that we identified right off the bat was the cannabis industry. Um, so when you take a look at the average demographic for, you know, the cannabis industry, it's all, all walks of life. So you have the suits for the lawyers, the politicians, the skaters, the hippies down the line, right? And so right. from our perspective, you know, we're going into an industry that has a huge problem, but they lack of access to financial services. They can't get banking. Uh, they can't accept Visa, MasterCard. And so <clears throat> number one, we're solving a major problem for all of these merchants by being able to enable them just to transact in general. Second of all, we're starting to put a Dash mobile wallet in the demographic, this wide array of demographics. So that way, you know, as soon as we move outside of the cannabis industry, uh, we, right now we have plans to integrate to point of sale to push us into about thousand different bars. So that way, you know, the consumers, they leave the, you know, the cannabis uh, retailer. Next thing you know, their local bar is accepting Dash. Um, and that's the one thing that we're really focusing on is, you know, from the consumer perspective, we're not branding Alt 36. We're really trying to build in that brand recognition between the consumer and the Dash network. And so everything merchant facing is branded Alt 36, but everything consumer facing will be branded Dash. So that way we can start really building that credibility behind, you know, the Dash network and the Dash name and brand. All right. So for merchants, um, you know, a typical merchant now takes credit card, cash. This will just be yet another form of payment. Um, are you finding merchants want to keep their their money in Dash, or do you cash them out into fiat right away? Like, how does it work in the back end? Um, and so that's going to be different uh, given every single different type of merchant, merchant and their exposure to risk, um, the tolerance levels, I guess, for their exposure to risk. Um, so at the beginning, we see that there's going to be a lot of merchants that are going to be converting into traditional, back into traditional fiat. Uh, but as the as the kind of the adoption keeps increasing, we think that the merchants are going to be holding longer and operating, starting to operate solely in digital currency. Uh, it's going to take us some time to, you know, be, to begin to facilitate and teach them how to properly operate and run their business in digital currency. But once we get to that point, you know, we've enabled our systems to be able to either batch out immediately, convert immediately, or they can choose a custom batch out. So if they want to do it hourly, if they want to do it daily, I think it all has to do with, you know, the fluctuation in the currency and, and again, tying that to their overall risk, or their risk tolerance. Yeah, because how are they going to hedge against movements in Dash? You know, if a merchant has, uh, doesn't have, you know, fat margins and Dash moves 10% against them by the time they batch out for the day, that may uh, kill their profit. What would you say oh, are absolutely. best practices for merchants that are risk or, you know, need help with this? Absolutely. So one one of the things that we're doing is, um, you know, signing up a merchant is is one piece of the equation, right? But unless that merchant is actually enabling transactions to be occurring at their locations, then it's been absolutely pointless what we've done. 
So <clears throat> working with each one of the merchants to basically enable them uh, to be uh, tr- uh, enabling them to be uh, fully aware of what marketing efforts and what campaigns they need to put in place to effectively raise the awareness of the uh, of the accepting digital currency on behalf of the consumers. But then <clears throat> at the same time, they're going to be assigned on the onboarding process, a relationship manager, a business analyst, and a portfolio manager. So basically, as they're getting onboarded, we're going to sit down with each one of the merchants through our discovery process, evaluate kind of their, their tolerance to risk, take a look at their operating cash versus excess cash, and then really start to sit down with them and create a strategy to help them start operating more in digital currency. So it's not going to be something we anticipate that's going to happen right out of the gates, but more or less a way, but more or less something that's going to happen over, you know, uh, a good six months to a year is what we anticipate. What about on the customer side? Um, you know, does Dash even have a uh, mobile wallet? I, I thought it's yep. only like laptop right now. Oh, absolutely. So one thing that we're doing, uh, and, and as far as these, quote unquote, onboarding process and marketing packages for each one of the dispensaries is us working with them to create campaigns to help get the cannabis merchants to not only download the wallet, but start to transact um, in digital currency. And one way, one way we're doing that with the merchants currently is, you know, we're running text campaigns. So imagine this, you're a member of a dispensary, you get a text, download the Dash, click on this link, download the Dash mobile wallet, get a free pre-roll. Wow. You know, who's, who's not going to do that? And then, so now we get the wallet in their phone. Next time they show up to the dispensary, um, a piece of the overall solution that we're providing to the merchants is a digital currency ATM as well. So the next time they visit the dispensary, each one of the locations will be able to offer an incentive for the consumer to pay in digital currency. Um, And so we'll have their, you know, pay and dash will be a certain percentage off. So maybe 10% to 25% off the the normal price of, you know, cash sales. and then that way we can start working with them to help the consumers see an advantage to not transacting in digital currency. I thought that uh, dispensaries are only allowed to take cash. They, they can't have banking relationships. So, I mean, would, would someone have to come in, uh, essentially use a, a Dash ATM, get cash, and then pay the merchant? So, traditionally, most, uh, most consumers that are coming in, are coming in with cash, right? And so that's the that's number one uh, kind of goal that we have is to start taking that cash that's coming in with the merchants and converting that into digital currency. Um, so basically, our, our our ATMs will be enabled to um, convert cash into digital currency and put it right onto the consumer's digital wallet. Uh, that way, they can go into the location and check out. And then future plans are to adapt these. ATMs more into a, let's call it a self-checkout kiosk, uh, which basically it will enable the consumer to uh, pay with cash, but in the back end, the merchant will be receiving digital currency. We'll do the conversion in the back end. So that way the merchant really has no idea that they're transacting in digital currency, but from the back end perspective, you know, the merchant is able to continue normally with their operations. Oh, huh. okay. I gotcha. So what stage are you guys at? Is this uh, running in any dispensaries yet, or is it about to roll out? Yep, so we're pushing it. So we're getting ready for our uh, private launch event here October 14th, um, where it coincides with the Southwest uh, Cannabis Expo here in Phoenix. Um, what we'll be doing is hosting a private event to give a kind of a sneak peek and do demos of our of our software to all of our vendors, partners that uh, we've been working with. And then our, we're pushing into a production the last week in November, and December, we're basically going live with our first beta clients. 
Uh, right now, we're working with you know the largest B two B cannabis marketplace, and we're also working with multiple retail locations as far as uh, kind of going into a beta with the different point of sale systems that are integrating with our software. Hmm. Do you think um, politically it may be a problem if you work with the cannabis industry and then you want to work with you know quote unquote mom and pop industries? Uh, any association with cannabis that they'll either worry about or have any you know legal problems with? So from the legal and compliance perspective, I mean, we, we're covering all bases from that end, right? You know, a lot of people see trying to go and create systems to solve this problem, or, or, or they're almost seen as trying to go around the government, trying to go against the government, right? Uh, one objective that we have is to align ourselves very closely with the government initiatives. Um, and that's the one thing that, that blockchain enables us to do is to create that transparency that, you know, the tax, the tax authorities and the compliance authorities, especially with FinCEN and so forth, uh, will really appreciate is because we'll be able to, to do a full audit of our entire ecosystem and provide them a report. And not only that, but provide them a report on the risk level of every single transaction that has ever entered our system. Uh, so every single transaction that enters our system is been verified and checked against databases to ensure that there's been no illicit activity, hasn't been used to wire terrorist wallets or anything of the sort. Um, so yes, you know, cannabis is or has had a bad reputation up until now, but if you take a look, it's a $20 billion industry as of today. They're, they would say $7 billion, right? $7 billion reported. So $20 billion industry today with $13 billion being untaxed and unreported, buried underground somewhere or in your call space in your attic. Um, and, and so essentially what we're looking to do is basically get in and help, you know, kind of free up some of that tax funds that have been not making it back into the local communities and, and thus, you know, kind of depriving, uh, you know, all of these local communities from the real benefit of legalized cannabis, the tax. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I, with your uh, ATM and with your merchant systems, do you th- is there any call or desire for people to be able to also settle in Bitcoin or move into Bitcoin? Or is it just uh, Dash so- and Fiat and that's it? Yep, Dash and Fiat, and that's it. So right now, we've entered into an exclusivity agreement with uh, Dash. Uh, basically, Dash will be the only digital currency that we're offering through our platform. But the kind of the, the caveat to what we're doing as well is, and that we didn't really touch on, is not only are we enabling the transaction between you know, the consumer and the individual locations, but th- we also enable the transactions between the merchants, their suppliers, their vendors, essentially taking the entire ecosystem cashless and allowing them to operate and transmit in digital currency in real time. So that way they don't, they can avoid all of the costs of handling cash, which are anywhere from 15 to 25%. Um, and all of the uh, other negative aspects that come along with carrying physical cash. Yeah. Most people wouldn't be aware of that. What are some of the problems that the cannabis industry faces you know, it's a, it sounds like a happy problem. You have too much cash, but, you know, tell me what the problems that, uh, that it engenders, what are they? Yeah. So, and I mean, so the cost to the merchants of, of handling cash and operating in cash um, averages anywhere from about, you know, I, I first took a shot at it and, that, and until we started doing more user discovery, I was thinking it was anywhere from 10 to 20%. Um, and sitting down and, and talking with the individuals and doing our, our consumer feedback studies, um, we find, we're finding out it's actually 15 to 25% of the total revenue that they generate for that year. So when you think about all the different costs involved, there's the cost, let's call it time, right? There's 
counting the cash. That's tedious in itself. Uh, paying your employees. All, pay, all employees are paid in cash. Uh, paying your vendors. Oddly enough, given the amount of cash that these individual locations have on hand, the default rates on paying their, uh, paying their vendors is extremely high because of their lack, lack of access to banking services. So even though they have the cash and it's buried underground, um, you know, they're, they're not able to you know, effectively put it into a bank account and pay their bills. So now a lot of the vendors are you know, getting really upset by this because they're not able to really collect and put that money back into operations. Um, so <clears throat> another cost would be the armored truck service, picking up the cash multiple times a day, especially when you're operating anywhere from ten to $30,000 a day in cash, anywhere in that range. Um, right. And then there's just the cost of handling cash as far as storing it. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but or you know this, but the underground bunker industry has actually increased significantly um, because people are actually because they cannot put it in a bank, any federally FDIC regulated bank. They're now starting to bury it underground until a solution presents itself. Uh, really? And so Weird. the the cost of doing that is they've actually created a cost center. Um, you know, by storing their cash underground, and essentially what we're trying to do is work with each one of the merchants to be able to take that, convert it, and to be able to actually create a profit center based off of that instead of a cost center. Why would uh, why can't a dispensary use the cash it generates for? I mean, it can pay vendors, it can pay its people. Why can't it uh, take the cash it makes and put it in a bank account? So, so according to federal regulation, cannabis is still uh, uh, illegal on a federal level. Um, and what we've gotten to a point to where uh, the Cole memo uh, basically dictates how the federal government is supposed to um, uh, interpret the law to the states, right? And so basically what they said is they've outlined 12 different, uh, let's call it guidelines, that if merchants follow that are, are operating within the cannabis industry, as long as they're following these 12 guidelines, the federal government will turn its head. And they really won't, you know, take matters into these state individual state uh, regulations. So essentially, the federal government has left it up to each of the individual states to create their own uh, regulation and compliance programs around, you know, the sale and distribution of cannabis. That's why you're seeing, you know, some states where it's medicinally legal versus some states where it's, you know, full rec, um, and then right. varying regulations for each one of those. So it's primarily the access to, you know, federal banks and, and being able to uh, put more than $10,000 deposit into a bank at any point without it being flagged for suspicious activity. Gotcha. But once the money goes to individuals, then they don't have that requirement and they're okay. They can put it in their own bank account and use it and they're, no, they're fine. Oh, correct. Yeah. If any, any, anything that comes from digital currency, because it's not proceeds that are coming from the sale of cannabis at this point. It's proceeds that are coming from the conversion of digital currency. Um, and so digital currency right now is viewed as commodity and regulated as commodity. So it has kind of entirely different classification around it and, and regulation around it than traditional fiat currency, government regulated currency. All right. So the government hasn't said anything that digital currency is, is allowed or not allowed for the cannabis industry. So, so far, it's OK. Oh, and and that's and that's it's differing depending on you know from the federal uh, stand stance on that to each individual state stance. So if you take a look at like the state of Nevada, they're actually giving tax incentives for dispensaries that are operating solely in digital currency because of the transparency it provides around the taxation and them being able to ensure that they're getting you know the appropriate amount of taxes from each one of the merchants. Um, 
So I think that, you know, as more people start to become aware of the benefits of blockchain technology um, specifically, and, and they start to understand that digital currencies provide many benefits that traditional payment methods don't give to, you know, merchants, I think that it'll start to really kind of transition and you'll, you'll start to see more state entities really embracing it. Um, not only from the payment perspective, but, you know, blockchain has multiple purposes. So from like the supply chain management perspective, uh, from the smart contract perspective. So depending on, you know, the, the use case, blockchain, you know, is going to provide significant benefits. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, people start getting on or they get left behind. Okay. Well, very good. So what's the best way for, uh, you know, individuals and companies to get in touch with you and, uh, well, especially merchants to see if you can uh, help set them up? To accept Dash? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you, you can visit our website, uh, alt36alt36.com. Um, and then basically, we have multiple uh, ways of reaching out to us. You can either fill out a contact form or uh, you can be, send us a, give us a call directly. All, right, all of our contact information is listed on the website. All right, great. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.